Welcome to Uncontained. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and uh, this is episode 115. I'd like to give a big shout out to all my listeners uh, overseas. Um, I believe I had a pretty big boost in numbers from England this month or this week, so shout out to uh, everybody in the UK, and uh, let me know where you're listening from. Uh, Hit me up on my Facebook, Instagram, or even uh, through my website, uncontainedpod.com. And let me know where you're listening to Uncontained at. And uh, it'll be interesting to find out where where all this show reaches. So while you're at uncontainedpod.com and you have the urge to do some Amazon shopping, um, please click that link at the top of the page. It doesn't cost you anything, and it helps support the show. I have a great show for you today. It's with Aphrodite, the African goddess of love. Yes, Aphrodite Love is on the show today. If you haven't heard of her, well, I'm pretty sure you will before too long. She's billed as one of the hottest older acts in the world And also, she has been on the Kill Tony podcast, one of the number one rated podcasts in the world, 14 times and counting. She is a stand-up comedian. She's a musician. She has something like five bands, and uh, she's a singer in all of them. Plus, Plus, on top of that, yeah, there's more. She has been in music videos such as the Batter Up video for Nelly. And also, she's an author. She has a book of poems out now. And she is working on releasing another one as we go. I I could sit here and talk about her all day. Or I could just get to the interview. So I'll do that. Here's episode 115 of Uncontained with Aphrodite Love. How are you doing today, Aphrodite? Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Now, first thing I noticed looking at your name, it's not necessarily spelt the Greek way for Aphrodite. Um, you want to explain uh, how the, the reason you spell it uh, the way you do? Well, a lot of things uh, that people use, you know, um, here in America and other places around the world, actually some of these concepts people don't know are rooted in ancient Egypt. And uh, I'm real tied to my culture, you know, Asian culture and learning more about it. And I just decided I wanted to bring that concept back to where I have so far found out that it actually came from, which is ancient Egypt, the goddess of love. And uh, so anyway, I purposely spell it A-F-R-O-D-Y-E-T-E, the African goddess of love, because I want to bring a lot of knowledge, you know, to people about things that they may not know actually came from the motherland, Africa, also known as Al-Kibulan. Okay. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So what inspired you to want to uh, show the African roots of the name? Well, there's so much misinformation, and me being an older artist, I came up in a time where we never even got any black history at all. And so I've just been going on for many years now to reclaim things that are actually ours as concepts, doctrines, you know, ways of living, you know, ways of worship, you know, writings. I want to know these things that I've never been allowed to know. You know, when I was coming up in school and school systems that we have, they're highly European. So you don't really get any, you know, well, I feel like this, you don't get much at all when it comes to other cultures or, you know, different things like that. 
Okay, very cool. So just to help educate and to make up for a lack of knowledge of other cultures than the typical European-American culture. Exactly. And a lot of people that's not, you know, of color want to know these things as well and are fascinated by all the history that they've, too, missed out on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you hear a certain one side of the story in high school, and it's, you know, not the student's fault necessarily, but uh, it's good to have that information out there. Yes, indeed. It's a lot that you just simply will not know unless you dig deep. And thanks to the Internet, there's a lot of scholars, both of color and European, that are opening up a lot of things that they may not necessarily want us to know, the powers that be, shall I say. (laughs) (laughs) like what for example like what are one of the things that the powers that be don't want us to know that woman never came from man it's the other way around okay okay so um which uh which teaching is this well you can actually go especially on youtube and i'm sure google as well and uh it's going to definitely sound controversial to some that have never heard this idea or concept or what have you but there's uh Scholars like uh, Dr. Delbert, D as in David, E-L, B as in Bar, E-R, T, Blair, last name, B-L-A-I-R, and he has a documentary on Life Started with the Black Woman. And a lot of people definitely that have racial issues that have been taught to hate others will definitely not want to hear that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. I can imagine if uh, you're full of uh, hate, you wouldn't want to hear hear something like that. But uh, that's not what this show is about. So <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I am glad to have you here, and uh, thanks for the little history lesson there. Um, now you are a busy busy woman. Uh, Now, one thing that I found interesting when I was reading your uh, bio, in addition to being out there doing stand-up comedy, being an actress, a singer, a songwriter, a poet, uh, you are billed as one of the hottest older artists in the world and look much younger than uh, your true age. Yes. Well, actually, it's wrapped in more than that. I'm just really tired of the entertainment industry uh, making everything be about people under 30 years old. Okay. As if nobody over 30 has any talent. They should not be, you know, taken seriously. They should not be given any chances to perform, you know, on any, you know, national or international level. Record companies are not interested in signing them and all this kind of stuff. Unless until you make quite a lot of noise and your brand gets really, you know, big to the point where they can't deny you, then all of a sudden they got some type of interest for you, you know, and it shouldn't be that way. It should be, you know, let the artists present themselves. And if people show that they have interest in that artist, no matter what age they are, you know, sign them, let them tour, let them do what, you know, let them be involved. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So like which, um, career, as far as, you know, the comedy, acting, singing, which one do you find that ageism is w- more prevalent in? Is there one where it's like the age isn't as important as the other in the eyes of Hollywood? Well, um, so far, the comedy's been going, you know, a lot smoother than the other uh, ones as far as a singer and uh, actress, because they're seriously on your age and your size and your color. And I fit all three because I'm much darker complexion being a melanated sister and I'm older than they want and I'm definitely thicker than they want. So I, I'm dealing with all three of them, but I decided not to let this industry have any power over me because they're not the ones that have set my destiny in place. 
And just like I want to wake up day to day, so do they have to be concerned that they wake up day to day. They have no real power, in my opinion. Okay. All right. So what are you doing to take the power back? Like, are you self-producing everything or? Well, first of all, I go out. Yes, I'm just getting out there and I'm getting involved in everything that I can get involved in. I go and audition for stuff. I'm like doing a new comedy that's going to be filming in the next month that I audition for. And I told him my age as soon as I walked in the door because I have this I don't give a blank attitude because I'm just not putting up with these, you know, stereotypes and ignorance and racism. And I'm dealing with all three of them, like I said. You know? <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Okay, so um, let's let's get into your singing for a minute. I, I actually got a chance to check out uh, your band uh, Breakestra, and uh, the main single you have right now is "Come On Over," correct? Well, no, that's an old single. I have more singles. You'll see some of it on YouTube. Uh, the most recent one is uh, called uh, "Gotta Get Your Dub." D U B produced by Gary Davis. It's a remake. That's the most uh, current one. And then there's one called The Nature Creature uh, with this guy, Asagaya. Um, and the producer is Guts, G-U-T-S, Guts. Okay. And uh, I created all the vocals and the melodies for the song. They had the music and they had the lyrics, but they couldn't tell me how to sing like one line. And that's how it's been in everything I've recorded. Nobody can tell me how to sing anything. <laughs> and that's a <what> <laughs> They just kind of look at me like, help! <laughs> <laughs> right, well, you have a very oh. strong, strong voice. I was listening to, as I said, I was listening to Come Over, or Come On Over, and uh, I really love your voice along with the horns. Like, most are most of your bands, like, you have, like, five bands, as we were talking earlier, but... Uh, yeah, are they most, all got horns. They all have horns. All right. I'm, I'm a big fan yeah. of the horns. I think they're uh, pretty cool. Oh, you'll love these bands, then. You'll love them. I'm going to be uh, in Riverside at a place uh, called Mario's on the 6th of April next month, and this is a band called Slang, and I'm in process of recording with all these bands as well. Okay, very cool, very cool. Do you have a band like a main band or is it just i do all five of these uh actually i'm just you know doing everything i can as each band has a project so i'm actively involved with all of them and they three of them have built brand new studios and we're in process of coordinating getting into the studios and i'm going to be doing original songs that i've written i have uh, original songs in all different categories from hard rock to country western i can pretty much write anything i hear Okay, very cool, very cool. So I've also noticed quite a bit of range. Yeah, like uh, like you have some reggae sounding stuff, some funk, some like funk with like big band kind of sound to it, and uh, very diverse. I give you a credit on your diverseness in music. Thank you. I grew up listening to a little bit of everything, and I always was fascinated with the texture of people's voices. You know, from the soft and mellow to the harsh raunchiness to the edginess to the the bass to the in-between, it just always fascinated me. And then it seems like to me, for myself, the music actually talks to me and it tells me exactly what voice to use when I create a song. Okay. Or when I work with somebody else's song. As soon as I hear the music, I know what voice to use. So who were a couple of your uh, the artists that helped shape the way you sing? Well, it's a combination of things. You know, the sound of the gospel in the church, which I had to go because my parents were, you know, about church people <laughs> coming up. And uh, just kind of traditional black thing. You go to church and you learn to sing in the choir and all that kind of stuff. And then it was music in the schools at that time. We had a lot of music programs. So I learned, you know, classical stuff, you know, stuff about 
Beethoven, Mozart, and I, had a, I have an aunt who played all classical music, Chopin, and all this kind of stuff. My mother played the church songs. She played on the piano. I watched her, you know, play at church. I had uncle, have uncles, uncles, sorry, and aunts that also musically inclined, playing the piano, guitar, drums, or whatever. And then uh, I always started my own girl singing group in grade school and high school and wrote songs for us, got us on local TV shows, just all kind of stuff like that. I was just a music crazy kid. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. So it sounds like you've had music around you your whole life, pretty much, correct? Exactly. And uh, if you want to know, like, known artists that were influencing to me, I would say Aretha Franklin, Gladys Knight. Dionne Warwick, Nancy Wilson, Chuck Khan, Patti LaBelle, groups like, you know, the, the um, Earth, Wind & Fire, uh, the Dramatics, uh, the Temptations, the Shy Lights. It was just really rich with music back then. And even some of the British invasion, the Beatles, you know, all these different people rising. Rod Stewart, Country Western, Willie Nelson, Anne Murray, you know, just a lot of people I listened to. All right, all right. So those are the well-known ones, but what are like one of the not so well-known ones that you think everybody should know about that helped influence you? Oh God, most of them were well-known people. You know, honestly, I, I can't think of anybody right now that wasn't known that actually influenced me. Unless you're talking about like a a local church singer, there was a couple of people at my church, you know, that had nice voices that I really found interesting to look listen to that would be unknown people i would say like one lady her brother used to come try church sometime and he had this really rich bass operated you know something type of voice that i found that was very influential and rich sound i always loved certain sounds and i thought he had a really great rich sound for his voice all right very cool it's just the way that you started answering that question like saying the known ones are these and I, I didn't know if you had like some unknown ones on reserve that you're like oh you, you probably wouldn't know about these guys but i was just seeing if i could get a new name to check out no not actually that's my remembrance you know how things hit me like i said other than the known ones it would have to be the church people all right cool so now in addition to the singing and songwriting you've been an actress i saw that you did something in uh was it dharma and greg a while back and also you were in a nelly video too yes batter up video okay all right i remember that song from back in the day (laughs) i'm the only one in the video with the jersey number 80 it's a, a burgundy um jersey with the number 80 in the color white and i have a great big afro so you see me appear about three times, you know, in the video where you really get a look at me good. And I had to ask her audition for that video, got to meet Nelly and the guys and had a lot of fun playing around with them. They were quite nice and let me act real crazy. <laughs> Did it help that you were originally from St. Louis? Um, when I went to the audition, I don't remember if they really captured on that, but it certainly was cool to talk to Nelly and sit down and talk to him. And he knew I was from St. Louis when I told him and, he uh, told me about his mother went to the same high school I went to and that she might even know me, you know. Oh, wow. Really? That's cool. Um, so, yeah. How long have you been in uh, L.A. for now from St. Louis? Well, I started in Riverside, California, and uh, I've been in the state of California for a little bit over 40 years now. Okay. All right. Definitely a resident of here now. I'm probably adapted. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever make it back home much? 
Oh, yeah, I've been going back every chance I've gotten over the many years, and um, I'm planning the trip to go there in a couple of months now. All right, very I have cool. a, a vested interest in St. Louis because I'm working on building a center there so the children can have other choices other than gang-banging and shooting each other to death, and, you know, teenage pregnancy and all that. They'll have something. I really am working on something state-of-the-art where they'll have a lot of excitement about coming there, and it'll be free for them. That that's awesome. So, like, what kind of uh, is it going to be? Like an after-school type program, or is it going to be? Well, um, it's going to serve two purposes. It's going to be there for them with uh, free tutoring and all that after school and stuff on the weekend as well. And during the other hours, I'm going to set something up where adults can come and learn some things like how to start a business, how to speak a different language, or whatever you know, how to you know. Banking, different things that many of our people of color are really in need of help on, you know, how to get grants and loans. I'm going to have events there that they'll be excited to come to. A lot of performance by the children. I want to have, like, state-of-the-art studio in there. I want to have stuff that will really keep them excited about wanting to come in that center rather than go get in some trouble. Yeah, all right. Very cool. You got that going on in St. Louis, which is awesome. I'm glad, uh, you know, especially with the cutting of the arts budgets in school and stuff like that, and the music and the arts, um, it's important to have other places where people can go, whether it's for music and arts or other things after school, you know? Yes. I want to really make it, you know, so interesting that the children will be constantly buzzing about it. Like my best students, I'm going to, you know, prepared uh, them for, you know, world travel by awarding, you know, a certain amount of them travel to go to one of the places on earth they want to go to with one of their parents or you know, at least an adult or something that can travel with the group for each one. You know, I'm going to really make sure I raise the money because I'm not interested in, you know, 25 cars and 30 bedroom houses and all that kind of nonsense. I'd rather give most of my money away to make sure these children have something to do. That's that's very uh, admirable right there. And where can somebody go and, uh, like, can somebody help support this? Is there a place where somebody can, like, be like, I want to uh, donate to? What's the name of the organization, too? Well, I don't have a name for it. It's my personal goal. But uh, I could give them my email address. They could contact me by that if they want to, you know, see what I need or help me, you know, do anything because I'm very committed to this. It's going to be called the George Center, uh, dedicated to my father, George Johnson, uh, Jr., who was a school teacher, and dedicated to my brother, who was heavily involved in entertainment coming up. Kids, he is very handsome and did James Brown dancing, and the girls would go crazy over him, and unfortunately... <laughs> He didn't get to pursue it. Things happened and he fell off the path. But I'm the one that went on, you know, with it. And I just want to build this center. And it'll be a lot of teaching going on. So I feel it would be appropriate to, you know, honor my father as a teacher and call it the Joy Center to honor both of them, you know. All right, great. So, yeah, if you do have an email address you want to throw out for that where they can get a hold of you, uh, what would that be? And I can put it in my show notes. Okay, it's going to be A-F-R-O... D like David, Y E T E, number 10 at gmail.com. So there's Aphrodite 10 at gmail.com, A F R O D Y E T E 10 at gmail.com. All right, perfect. And uh, if they want to help out, they should just like put subject to George Center or so you know what's yeah. about that. Well, they can subject me to George Center, you know, and they can tell me in the content what they are interested in offering or whatever. It's 
it's a building process. You know, a lot I have to find out because a lot I don't know, but I'm determined to get that built in my lifetime. That's the biggest thing that I'm interested in doing. Like I said, I really care nothing about all this material stuff that people do as entertainers because I feel as long as my people are suffering, I shouldn't be riding around in million-dollar, you know, cars and trillion-dollar houses and all this kind of nonsense. <laughs> I, I understand that. I understand that. So um, that is a great cause. So once again, if you want to uh, help Aphrodite out, email her at her email address, Aphrodite10 at gmail.com. Let's talk a little bit more about what you have going on as far as uh, entertainment-wise. So you're a comedian as well, correct? Yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian, and it happened in a very strange and wonderful way because I had no intention of doing it at all. I was actually encouraging someone. I'm always encouraging people. And a close lady that's like a family mentioned she wanted to do it, and so I said, yeah, let's go do it. Long story short, she didn't end up doing it, and I literally heard this voice in myself told me to go head over to the library where we had talked about going and had set up, you know, being booked to go to do stand-up, and told me to go ahead and go and see what happens. And um, I've learned not to, in, uh, to in, ignore is what I'm trying to say, not to ignore my destiny when it speaks to me. And it all started like that. And I went to the Laugh Factory. They really liked me. They told me I was really naturally funny. And I was like, hmm. And then somebody told me to go over to the comedy store. And bottom line, I got there too late to get on this thing called a potluck. And Kill Tony was still open on the list to sign up. So okay. I signed up on it and I got on the first time I went. Oh, very cool. And uh, yeah, I listened to that show as well. It's a very cool concept. It's like they give a comic a one minute set and then they spend a couple minutes critiquing the set and uh, giving giving some advice. And you've been on that show a number of times now, like 14 times. Yeah, 14 times. <laughs> wow. That's so a I call it speaking because you can't get on the show unless your name gets pulled out of the bucket. And, you know, there's people there that's been going much longer than me, and some of them have never had their name pulled out the bucket. One guy last year got pulled out the bucket after four-plus years. They've been on come up on uh, June 19th, I believe it is. It'll be five years for the show anniversary. Wow. And people have been longer than me, and some of them have never been picked. And so they look at me like I'm glowing in the dark pretty much. Like, how does this woman get picked? <laughs> <laughs> So do you just fold your name up a special way and put it in the bucket? So no, no. Like... <laughs> I don't. I don't. We don't get to do that because there's a list. You sign the list. You don't get to fold up anything. Okay. So your name goes on the list right behind somebody else's. So you can go further down on the list and write your name in, but they're still going to cut the names in pieces of paper. You, you're not there when they do that. And then they stick them in the bucket and he squishes them around with his hand and he pulls out whatever pulls out. Okay. All right. Very cool. I didn't know so if you had a trick or anything. It. No, no. You can't because, again, you don't get to touch the list. You only get to sign your name. You don't get to do anything <laughs> else. They take it away. And this show, Kill uh, Tony, hosted by uh, Tony Hinchcliffe. Yeah, and it, it's gotten you some national recognition, correct? Or international recognition. Yeah, international. I found out from the host that there's people all over the world that love the way I carry on on the show, acting real crazy. <laughs> right uh, uh so um what's like one of your favorite experiences on uh kill tony 14 of them you should be able to have at least one highlight well honestly i i can see why you asked me that question that way but 
I got to tell you, they all have been so highlighted in my mind until it's like this crazy, amazing adventure. I feel like I'm always living in a great movie. Right on. Actually, it kind of makes sense in a way that here's a lady almost 63 years old and she's become the highlight of this show with people young enough to be my grandchildren on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people are like, they, they say I have a lot of crazy, funny things. My philosophy about things is kind of weird and awkward to a lot of people, but makes sense, you know, and like, I just recently thought about this line I'm going to talk about on the show. Like, you know, I'm not going to tell God anything I've done wrong. You know, it's, I'm not going to confess anything to God. God's not going to hold me, you know, responsible for what I'm doing. If I don't tell God, God, that maybe he won't know. He won't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All you don't right. help God out by telling God what you've done wrong. You don't do that. No, no. Don't want to incriminate yourself. <laughs> After all, if you're God, then why should I tell you what I've done? Yeah, I just hope that he was looking the opposite direction when it happened, you know? <laughs> well, I'm going to be bold and say something controversial. I'm going to hope that she would be looking the other way. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. E- either way, um, if you want to call God a lady, it's a lady to you. If you want to call it a guy, it's a guy. It's, or just call it an entity, God. <laughs> well, we, we've let you guys get by with this male stuff from the ribs for long enough. we got to take our ownership back. I know, I'm just a chauvinist, damn it. (laughs) You know, it is kind of funny that you see pictures of this Adam and has a belly button, but you kind of ask yourself, well, how did he get the belly button if he wasn't inside of his mom? That is a valid point, Aphrodite. That is a valid point. I guess I never really looked at the pictures and thought that, but now that you mention it, it does kind of click. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of an oddball to get back to the question in the sense that I just refuse to follow any type of uh, pattern with the showbiz stuff and get all stressed out about how they're looking at me, seeing me, hearing me, or whatever. It's like, here it is. You don't like it, so what? Definitely, definitely. You got to have the audacity to go out and just be yourself on stage because, you know, it doesn't do you any good to try to act like somebody else. It'll just catch up with you. Yes, and not only acting like somebody else, but folding into this sickness in the entertainment industry of you got to look a certain way, you got to talk a certain way, you got to have all kind of certain features and all this kind of stuff, you know. And like I said, I don't fit any of that nonsense. So I have to really be bold. And they like me because I'm bold. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Speaking of bold, um, you had a pseudo-controversial poetry album that you self-published? Well, it's a book of poetry, 120 um, poems in the collection. Another thing that I had no intention of doing, I was going through some some heavy stuff, and I'm always hearing the voice speak to me. We all hear it, and sometimes we end up saying, my mind told me to do that, and I ignored it. Well, I don't ignore it. I've learned not to ignore it, because it actually saved my life years ago. So I've learned, don't ever ignore that voice that talks to you. It's one of your guides, you know. And uh, it might sound a little strange, a little weird, but every time you ignore it, I guarantee you're going to end up saying, you know what, my mind tried to tell me not to do that, but my (laughs) mind told me to do that, that, and I ignored it. And most people have had that experience to know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So you're saying you typically try to trust your gut. Exactly. It's never been wrong. There you go. There you go. So what 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 is the subject matter of this uh, poetry in uh, in your book, Poetry on Fire? There's different um, categories. There's, uh, the first one is dealing with it's 
Fade to Black is dealing with all kind of different poems about racism, what we've had to go through as people of color in America, all the things that are said but not really true, you know, as far as, you know, equal, you know, everything for everybody. And we all know that's not true. I mean, history proves it. Current day events, he proved it. You know, yeah. things happen to us still that would not happen to European Americans as opposed to people, anybody of color. You know, and I saw a cop show not too long ago, and this white guy's just literally dancing on the cop's car and calling them all kind of terrible names and, you know, throwing his hand at them and everything. If that was a brother, we all know that he would have been finished before the first act was over. Unfortunately, yes. I, it's, yeah. Um, that, that's a situation that I, I wish I knew like how there was a solution to it, but you know, I, you know, it makes me sick. I try to live my life without like throwing that judgment out on people, you know, trying, trying to live my life. Right. But you know, it's out there and I don't know. Well, it's going to take time because it took time for it to happen. It's going to take time for it to fizz out because you've still got too many people alive that buy into it, live into it, teach the children to, to feel the same way. So all of that takes a lot of time to weed out of what's going on in this world today. Yeah, unfortunately, that's not right. And it transfers over into like all aspects of, uh, well, I don't know. I guess I don't know where I'm going with this here. Um, well, it does travel over into all aspects of life because this sickness is all around the world. Because I've even traveled, you know, as a singer going on all these tours and I've had people automatically assume that I didn't belong where I was. Like we were doing a sound check before the show to get our mics and everything set up to make sure everything runs as smoothly as possible. Oh, I can see security coming across the room, breaking to come see what the hell am I doing there? Hmm. It's happened too many times. Oh, yes. Well, this world, this world needs to get its shit together sometimes, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, it's going to be a long while, buddy. I can tell you that because people are benefiting from this sickness. And they don't want to clear it up no time soon, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I'll have to tell you briefly before I forget that uh, the rest of the book is in sections like that, too. And, like, there's a section devoted to children. What's happening to children? What these people are doing with their children? You know, how they got their children all messed up. Children having problems at school, acting out. You know, the poems are very real to life very real to life and that's why i think people really like them a lot because a lot of poetry people tell me that they never liked it because they didn't understand you know what the cauliflower of my mind slowly penetrated whatever and people are like well what the hell does that mean <laughs> you know and so a lot of times i've heard that you know, have a hard time trying to get a publishing deal being a poet because they don't really know if they can sell you you know what i'm saying yeah but uh, a true story of your life is something they can see selling. If you've got an interesting life, you know, that might be something they might want to sign you to do your, you know, life story or whatever. But just based on poetry alone, some people kind of go, I don't know, you know. But mine is so real to life, it speaks in a realistic language, and it's very visual. I'm a very visual writer. I want you to be safe on the outside looking in. I want to snatch you by the neck and bring you into the story. Okay, all right. And do you have any more uh, more books on the way? Any more gatherings of poetry yes. or stories otherwise? Yes, I'm working on my second book. It's called When Freedom Rings. This is what it sounds like. So the freedom of speech is going to ring. Okay. I took it off of Dr. King, you know, Let Freedom Ring. Yeah. I took it from that idea that you should know what freedom really sounds like. We should be able to actually produce it 
in our lifetime, you know, saying what we mean and saying it freely and without fear. And uh, I'm blessed at this point in time, you know, to be able to say a lot more than my ancestors would have been allowed to say. They wouldn't have even been allowed to have a book to begin with. And better not find out they could read. You're in big trouble. Your life could be on the line. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the uh, topics in the book? Like what? Well, what? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. I have a poem that's called "There Is No United States." Okay. It's kind of like a. Uh, the name is a joke. Like, what the hell is united in the United States? It's certainly not the people, and it's certainly not the laws. You can go from one state to the other, and you feel like you're in a whole another damn country. <laughs> you can smoke weed in California, but they want to give you a 15 to life in Missouri. Yeah. You know, how is that united? I mean, I'm exaggerating some, of course, but still, it feels like 15 to life to even get one day for a joint that God put on the tree, pretty much. But we can't have it. And then I think, who are these people in the first place to tell us what we can have off of a tree? Yeah, very true. <laughs> I mean, I talk about a little bit of everything in the book. I talk about, you know... um, uh, religion, you know, okay. and I have a lot of uh, poems about that section. One of them is like, who's going to heaven? You know, because <laughs> it seems everybody's preaching that they're going to this place called heaven. So I talked about that. And basically, you know, I'm like, you know, questioning any of that, because if these people can't fool me, how the hell are they going to fool this thing called God? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's so many different versions of, say, the afterlife. It's like, which one's real? Which one's like, who's right, who's wrong type thing? They all have their ideas, but the concept that many of them have following in their stories and their so-called Bibles or whatever, it comes from ancient Egypt. You can trace it all the way back to ancient Egypt and probably further back than that, to their ancestors further back. These yeah. people have been around for thousands and thousands of years with their afterlife you can see it all in the Egyptians, all their briefs on the walls and different things. It's all about, you know, the afterlife and, you know, preparing the king for it and having servants in the chamber. You know, everybody's got to go when the king goes, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> all right. It's kind of messed up. <laughs> I think I'd be running once I see the king sick. I'd be leaving the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't want to get caught up in that. <laughs> I like to stay busy creatively. It keeps me young. It keeps my mind firing. You know, good brain cells are, you know, being used and stuff. And I just want to create as much in my lifetime creatively as I can, you know, because we don't use anywhere near the brain power that we are all capable of using because a lot of us are smothered by the ideals of our parents and the system that we live in. And we never become our authentic selves. And I'm just determined that I'm going to be my authentic self till I take my last breath in this round. Those are good words to live by. That's really good advice, like to be your authentic self and, you know, because that's what will most likely make you the happiest in the end. Well, at least you know you didn't get lied out of it and cheated out of it, which many of souls have been lied out of their existence, cheated out of it, murdered out of it, beat out of it, smothered out of it. You know, they don't even know who they really are, and it's even worse when it comes to women. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to write a book about that, too. I already have the title. It's called Bunny Rabbits Run Free. It's going to be very, very in your face, telling it like it is about how women live so unauthentic and so unappreciated you know, a lot of times, you know, and we're not as safe as we, used, we should be, you know, in a man's controlled world. It's a lot of things that have smothered women's, you know, creativity and 
ability to be successful in life. All right, all right. That'll be one to look forward to reading as well. So do you have a potential release date for uh, your new book, uh, When Freedom Rings? This is what it sounds like. Not yet, because it's not 100% finished yet, but I've learned from the same source that gave me the money the first time is you finish the work and I'll bring you the money. All right, sounds good. Well, you'll have to keep us up to date on that when those books come out. I'll let my uncontained audience know. I normally ask this more like career specific, like I'm talking to a comedian, I'm talking to a singer, an actor, but you do it all. So I'm I'm actually going to flip this question just a little bit. What advice would you have for somebody who is above the age of 30 and looking to get into the entertainment industry? First of all, I would tell them, to try their best to get rid of the idea of focusing on their age because that's not going to help you at all. You just give all your power away to the entertainment industry and you'll base every little thing that you think you could possibly want to do or dreamed of in their hands and their power rather than you having the control. So you have to kind of look into the way you think because according to how you think, so shall it be. If you think all the power is on their side and they're the ones that have to open up the doors or open up the opportunities for you, then that's good. That's exactly what I'm trying to say is exactly how it will be. Okay, so kind of you make your own destiny with the way you believe. Like if you believe they're going to limit you um, to like because of your age, that will become an issue. But if you don't uh, let them, it won't. No, because there's so many things available to us now that wasn't around when I was in my 30s. Uh, well, definitely in my 20s or in, in a little younger or whatever, is the Internet is so helpful now to help us build our brands. You know, I wouldn't be as big as I am now if it wasn't for the Internet. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, the Internet is a total game changer. It is, because it keeps the entertainment industry from holding you back. If you got a song and you can get it put together with some people, Especially living in L.A., there's so many creative people here you can get with, the, with some people, and they may let you use their studio in exchange for you helping them, you know, on their song or, you know, bartering services and what have you. You can get it done, and next thing you know, you got the Internet, all these different websites that will you music on there, and if people like you, it can definitely start growing without the help of the entertainment industry. I've already built my career to the point where now I can definitely get an agent. I can definitely get a manager, but I'm going to wait maybe a little bit later into this year before I seek it because I want to be so hot when I go to that agent. I want to be able to get the top agent, not, you know, somebody that's not the top agent. I gotcha. All right. Definitely good advice right there. I like it. And the question actually rolls right into my next question pretty well. Like, what is it that you're doing to promote yourself? I know you said the internet has opened up a lot of things for you. Uh, what? How are you using the internet or other methods to promote yourself? Well, the first thing is I'm constantly, you know, getting involved with uh, people that are doing recordings, what have you, because every time they put something out, my name goes with it. And however it builds, my name benefits from that build. And then those same people want to use me for other things. And then even uh, I go do things that I don't get paid for as well as things I get paid for, because if there's going to be a nice crowd there, a lot of those people are Internet savvy, already on Facebook, Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, and all this stuff. I talk to them after I come off the stage. It's a red-hot situation. They're in love with what they just saw me do. 
they want to know, are you on Facebook? Are you on Twitter? Are you on a, you know, snapshot or whatever it is? And they want to follow me. They want to keep up with what I'm doing. They love what they saw. So I do a lot of things. Like I'll even go do karaoke at a hot bar because, again, those people there, many of them have cell phones. Many of them want to get my Facebook as soon as I come off the stage and all this kind of stuff. And those same people will come and see me at a concert. And then being on this comedy thing, you get seen by near like a half million people and kill Tony every time you go up. Yeah. So when I go tour in Australia, which I've been there singing before in Australia, four different places, uh, from Perth, Australia, to Melbourne, to Sydney, to Brisbane, I've been already to those places and saying, now going back, they seeing me on Kill Tony, which is one, the number one podcast show in the world, there's going to be more people that will come out to the concert. Definitely, definitely. That's a big benefit of getting a name online and this whole World Wide Web thing. People all over the world can know who you are a lot easier. And it's already paying off. It's like tomorrow night I'm going back to kill Tony to put my name on the list to get picked again. And the people standing out there waiting in line, they come from everywhere. They're in L.A. visiting, you know, whatever. They come to the Kill Tony show because they're fans, they're diehard fans. They want to see the show in person, and they get to see Aphrodite while they're out there waiting in line. They get to see Aphrodite if they're blessed to see me get pulled up while they're there taping the show. And they're dedicated. They want pictures with me. You know, they want my Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And, again, those are people that I have a good opportunity that will come out to a concert when they see that I'm being advertised because I've actually sang on this show as well as done good with the stand-up comedy. Oh, really? Wow, that's cool. I didn't know yeah. that you sang on the show. Yes, you might not have saw the whole feel because sometimes I'm on stage near 20 minutes. So if you didn't watch like the entire thing, you would have missed that little thing that I did at the end. In that okay, set. that could be. That could be as well. All right, I'll have to go back and rewatch it and uh, check out your singing. But I did see your singing in other videos, so definitely... Definitely uh, worth checking out singing as well. Well, when you call, talk about uh, you know me building myself, just to, to tell you just a little bit more to that before you go to your next question. Oh, yeah, Please of course. Don't forget it. Is that that has also helped me to build my brand as well because they see that, wow, this lady is funny as a stand-up comedian. We like her as that. But then she hits us with this great voice, and they get to hear stuff. And like one time, Tony was looking me up, and he couldn't find me right away, but he finally found me. And it was the single I told you about called Gotta Get Your Dub. Yeah. like Gary Davis and everything, the remix I did. And I got to sing along with the track. He finally found it, and, and everybody was grooving with it, and they screamed at the end and just loved it. So, again, that was a great way to, you know, introduce my latest single at that time. Definitely, definitely. And then you get to put it out on his uh, podcast as well. That's definitely good promo right there. So I know you've had a lot of highlights throughout your career. Uh, but what are like one or two highlights that you would care to share with the uncontained audience? Well, one of the biggest, newest one is becoming a bona fide stand-up comedian, which is really mind-blowing to me because I just didn't see this coming. I had no intentions of doing this whatsoever. I'd have been okay if I never did stand-up comedy again. I started out, as I told you, doing it as a dare to myself. I think I mentioned that. If I did, yeah. that's how it all started. And uh I was reading in this book that if you want to stay young, you got to step out of your comfort zone. Basically, you got to do some things you normally wouldn't do, you know, get out on the ledge of life, you know. And I just decided, what can I do tonight on my birthday, turning 40 at that time, 
that would be in that category of challenging myself outside of the box. And this crazy woman inside of me that doesn't care what she does <laughs> <laughs> comes to excitement. Go for it. And she just said, go do some stand-up comedy. I'm like, okay, I didn't even question it. And I got to be uh, number 15 out of 15 open micers that they would let up that Tuesday night at the last factory that I went. And I not only got on the show, but I ended up getting interviewed by Arsenio Hall, was, who was very hot at the time. Really? Well, that's a name I haven't yeah, heard for he, a while. <laughs> yeah, he comes up to the comedy store here and there. A lot of those name people come up there here and there, you know. Uh, they just had uh, Chappelle up there a couple of Mondays ago. That That is one comic I would love to see in person because I just hear his uh, live shows are awesome. He can go on for like five hours, like just killing it. Yeah, the more you have a life experience, and I, I'm using my years to help me on stage because I literally don't write anything down. I just go with situations. Yeah. Real or unreal. Because <laughs> you have a lot of information on tap, you know. Like, for example, I was sitting at this bus stop, and this lady was blowing cigarette smoke all in my face. And I was like, ma'am, you're blowing your cigarette smoke all in my face. I said, you know, we're sitting here side by side. Why would you do that? You know, she looked at me like, you know, shut the F up, you know. And I said, ma'am, you're still blowing your cigarette smoke. And she just looked at me like, so what? So what? And so since we're in lovely California, I had pulled out my smoke thanks to the creator <laughs> and I literally blew her a complete Cheech and Chong cloud over herself. <laughs> and she got quite nice. It's just really nice how marijuana settles down the little evil minds. There you go. You gave her a nice little contact buzz. <laughs> oh, she was good to go. First she was being all ratty and snooty and, and, and ignoring me and didn't care how disrespectful she was, blowing a cigarette in my smoke. She never apologized. She just looked at me like, yeah, what? So what? I mean, seriously, I was like stunned, you know. I'm like, I know this little dry looking woman did not blow her cigarette smoke in my face like that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy uh, how it's changed. Like, it used to be like when you see somebody smoking a cigarette on the street, it was just like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, they're smoking. And then you see somebody smoking marijuana on the street and be like, oh my God, I can't believe they're smoking in public. And now it's like oh, the yeah. reverse of that. Now it's like, oh, that dude's just smoking a joint. All right, whatever. Oh, that person over there, they're smoking a cigarette. They're horrible. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's really, my friend just came here. I've been knowing since childhood, and she just blown away by how free we want to smoke out here. She's like, this has got to stop. They're smoking everywhere. I said, look, don't come out here in California talking about nothing got to stop. You need to go back to Missouri with that, okay? You're going <laughs> to see how sad it is how they smoke a joint in Missouri. They smoke in a joint in Missouri like they're running from the police, and they're just stopping for a couple of puffs. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear. You. I'm originally from a state just north of uh, Missouri. I'm originally from Iowa, so it's kind of the same way there as well. I had a show in Keokuk, Iowa, as a kid, and uh, us girls we had outfits to perform in, and unfortunately we left the outfits in St. Louis accidentally, and we had to wear the guys' pants in the show. <laughs> Where did you perform in Keokuk, Iowa? I don't even remember. It's been too many years. I was like maybe 16, 17 years old, but I'll never forget Keokuk, Iowa, as long as I live. They gave us liquor. (laughs) (laughs) And then some guy came to our hotel room with a leather coat on, and it was hot, and we couldn't figure out what was going on. I started off with a whole bunch of people in this lobby. It turns out they were there looking for us. Really? I was like, are we serious? We look serious. You know, we're teenagers and stuff. We had a guy group that sounded kind of like the Temptations. They were really good. And then we had my girl group. And we were called the uh, Anisha Shantae's. 
And um, anyway, long story short, this guy had on a leather coat. He had a whole brick of weed under his coat. That's why he had on the coat. <laughs> I keep in you. mind, we got a cop. We had a cop that was our manager. So we had no business being kids with no pound of weed that he bought for us. And then we got a cop for a manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did that go over? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't too happy. <laughs> he didn't go crazy on us or nothing. But he was a little concerned, to say the least. <laughs> that's quite the tour story. And to have it happen in Keokuk, Iowa, of all places, that's... Uh, <laughs> I can see why you won't forget Keokuk. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Especially leaving the outfits and getting the pound of weed. I don't think we'll forget that one. You might, if you smoked the whole pound of weed, you might have forgot a little something about it. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have made sense if we had remembered that our manager was a cop and that he uh, might not be too crazy about us smoking in the hotel room where he had us put up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can only imagine how that went down. So uh, those are some really cool <laughs> highlights uh, to look back on, and I'm sure you have plenty more coming. Um but for somebody who is on their way to check out Aphrodite on stage, whether it's singing, doing stand-up comedy, or even uh, reading one of your uh, upcoming books or, or your Poetry on Fire book, is there a certain vibe or feel or anything that you want them to necessarily take away from your performances? I would say the most important thing that I want people to take away from what I do is to be able to take it in to bring it out of their own life, their creativity, to bring out as much creation as you can while you're living on the planet because it's so needed. People need to see all kinds of different images of creativity that they too have inside of them can help them to come out with what it is they came to the planet to give because, again, too many people are being smothered. And that's why one of the reasons I tell my ages I do my artistic stuff is because I want people to know creativity doesn't stop with just young people. We all need to keep creating things. We all need to free ourselves of all these silly ideas and things that people have held us back on because it's just stuff that people have literally made up that has no roots in reality. There is no certain age you should stop being a singer or stop performing or this type of thing. It's all ignorance, and we need to fight the ignorance by being who we want to be every chance we get. And that's what I'm about. I want them to feel that passion that I'm feeling when I sing a song to let them know that, Hey, this lady's in her 60s, but she has a voice range that you would think a 25 year old has again, make people open up their minds by seeing your example. How you live your life. I'm in my sixties, but I live like a 25 year old. <laughs> there you go. That's like one of the, probably one of the best answers that I've had to that question on this uh, show. So, uh, thank you, uh, for sharing that. And, uh, definitely something that people should remember. Creativity doesn't stop just cause you get older, even though you might not be able to be as creative as you were when you're a child trying to picture playing cowboys, Indians, or playing like aliens or something like that, and actually visualize it. It's still a different kind of creativity as you're going on and you can keep growing that creativity. You don't have to stop. Well, they painted this picture that everybody is senile and everybody is physically impaired as they get older, and that's the biggest lie there is. Yes, yes, definitely true. I've no, I've known some older people who are still really, really sharp. Like I have uh, my step grandma. She's like a hundred and something 
early hundreds and she still has her brain together. It's it's pretty amazing if you ask me. Yeah, and it's not just the brain. Many of us are still sexy and still attractive as well. The average guy that hits on me is in his early 20s. It's very <laughs> rare that I get men my age hit on me at all. Well, being called Aphrodite, you need that to happen. You know, or maybe that's why that happens, because you're Aphrodite. Well, part of it is because I got a butt that weighs 250 pounds, too. <laughs> well played. I had the butt before Nicki Minaj and Beyonce, okay? All right, fair enough. They're copying you. I understand. I understand. Yeah, and it's, it's real. It's not implanted butt. Have you ever actually seen a butt implant? No, I don't think I want to see one. Neither neither do I, but it, it would be kind of funny. You know, can you tell that they're butt implants or are they, uh, you know, harder to tell than, uh, you know, fake boobs? Well, the, the one thing that the fake boobs and the fake booty have in common, they don't have any jiggle to them. True. See, real titties jiggle, real booty jiggles. Yes, if you don't have a jiggle and it ain't moving, it's probably got some of that implant stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, well, that that happens. I ain't hating on anybody with implants, though, so. I can't be mad at them, you know, to some degree, because if my butt was flatter than the Ouija board, you know, my breast and my butt were flatter than the Ouija board, I'd probably go get something stuffed in them, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if it makes them feel better, go for it. All right, this has been really fun. I have one final question for you, Aphrodite. Uh, but before okay. we get to that question, uh, where can people can get a hold of you online, your social media, um, the email if you want them to get a hold of you for the George Center and all of that okay. good stuff. So where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Okay, on Facebook at A-F-R-O-D-Y-E-T-E space last name love. Uh, no underscore, just a uh, space between the two names. Okay. A-F-R-O-D-Y-E-T-E space love. Uh, that's on Facebook. On Twitter, I'm at Aphrodite Love, same spelling. Okay. And uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, small letters A-F-R-O-D like David, Y-E-T-E, uh, 6325. A-F-R-O-D-Y-E-T-E, 6325 on Instagram. All right, perfect. I will uh, get those in my show notes as well and uh you guys should just go follow her on her social media let and then you'll find out when the new books come out the new music comes out uh next time she is on the kill tony show you'll find it all out right there and you can go check it out so aphrodite um i have one more question for you it is the title question of the show so aphrodite the african goddess of love how do you live uncontained? Yeah. Well, first of all, I got the good sense not to frankly give a damn what people think. Never have, <laughs> never will. Their opinions don't matter. They're not paying my bills. They don't give me any orgasms. They don't give me any cash. So <laughs> I don't see how I can take any of them serious. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the basis of how I live. I just frankly don't give a damn about negative ideas of people because they're not doing anything themselves. Many of them that talk like this, they don't know anything about realizing their passion they just sit back and you know they become news critics and stuff yeah and think that it's okay that they do that to people you know when in fact they can't show me anything that they've done that comes close to what i've already done you know i've already seen many signs that let me know i'm on the right track with my destiny so what they think again just simply does not matter and i will tell them just like uh rest in peace dr Dwayne dwyer would say is none of my business what people think about me 
Okay, very true. Very good. That's good advice right there as well. So just be you don't care what other people think. Yeah, I know when to listen. There's a big difference. I know when to listen. But as far as the little snooty stuff and the little snide remarks and all of that, get a real job, I tell them quite frankly, when you start paying my bills, then I might listen to something you have to say. But you're not doing any of that, so none of what you're saying means anything to me. All right, perfect. Aphrodite, thank you so much for joining me and uh, talking with me on Uncontained. It's been a blast, and uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight? Yes, I will. I like to say that life is so precious. It's more precious than many of us will ever come to know. And the most important thing that any of us can do is to seek out our true purpose in the earth and to live to that purpose and to be passionate about it and not to let anything get in our way to stop us from developing the souls in this earth because it's important to all of us that we serve each other and be there for each other and learn how to be really humane and to give joy through our gifts that we have been given, to give those things as much as we can in our time in this realm, and not to worry about how things are going to turn out. Just be determined that you're going to be there in life. You're going to show up. You're going to be yourself, and you're going to do what you want every chance you get and help others to know how to do the same. And so I have to tell you that I purposely, as Aphrodite, the African goddess of love, I'm going to honor myself and my ancestors by living my life totally uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you to Aphrodite, the African goddess of love. Yes, Aphrodite Love for joining me and uh, sharing uh, some of her insight with me and proving that age ain't nothing but a number. As long as you go out there, keep learning and stretching your boundaries, learning new things, it helps keep you young. And screw what Hollywood thinks. Unless Hollywood's listening right now, then hi, how you doing? But anyway, um, that does it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And you can support the show with tpublic.com. Go get some uncontained merch. I just recently had an uncontained baseball tee purchased for me as a birthday present. And uh, I'll tell you, it looks pretty nice. So you definitely want to check those out. And uh, one of those things you got to get if you're into coffee as much as I am is that uncontained coffee cup. It is pretty badass to have sitting on your desk at work. I'm just chilling on a Sunday afternoon, sipping on a cup of coffee. Anyway, thank you for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.